0: The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
1: There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. He's the only shelter from the coming storm.
0: The coming storm will be the final judgment between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. The outcome of that judgment, including the judgment on your life, will determine where you spend your eternity. The clash between civilizations usually ends in a bitter, bitter war. This clash between the civilization of light and the civilization of darkness is no different. This civilization of darkness has been given many years to develop its plans, its strategies, and to win loyal adherents. Some of you have been loyal adherents to the kingdom of darkness. Some of you have believed that you have left the kingdom of darkness, but you still walk and act in accord with the kingdom of darkness or the civilization of darkness. We find in Mark, the first chapter, that Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel Of the kingdom of God. That is the good news of the kingdom of God. Saying the time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. You must repent and you must believe the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the good news that there is now a way for you to desert, to leave, to depart from the kingdom of darkness, the civilization of darkness, and enter into the kingdom of light of Jesus Christ. Now, if you've listened to this broadcast for very long, you have heard me say to you on a number of occasions that the kingdom of God is not speaking about a geographic area, it is rather speaking about the right of authority, of rulership, and that is true. The kingdom of God has come, but it is not yet realized. In other words, it has not yet totally manifest itself as the geographical kingdom of God. We are in the process of the kingdom of God overthrowing the kingdom of darkness. Kingdom and civilization mean the same thing. The organized patterns of a people, a culture, a way of living, a way of thinking, a way of acting. There was the civilization of Of the ancient Mesopotamians or Egyptians. There was the civilization of the Vikings. There was the civilization of Muhammad. There was the civilization of Rome. These have all been overthrown. Rome was sacked, it fell another civilization moved in and took over and changed the way people thought and the way they acted. Civilization is a temporary condition as long as that kingdom can maintain power, control. Today we see America and the Western world desperately trying to maintain their control. We see the Asian civilization, particularly in China, doing everything they can to control their people, to coerce them into behavior acceptable, to that civilization. And particularly in China and some other places, you are seeing the kingdom of light stand in direct opposition to the civilization of the day. And they are paying for that with their lives. In America, the government said the church is not necessary, it is not essential. Costco's essential. Walmart's essential, liquor stores are essential, but the church is not essential, and so shut it down. And so pastors obediently shut down their churches. They believed the lies, and they closed their churches and put their masks on. They didn't trust in the Lord. They proved that they are more a part of the civilization of America or the kingdom of America than they are of the kingdom of God. It was very apparent who had their loyalty and whom they would obey. Now let me say a couple of things about the kingdom of God that may surprise you. The kingdom of God is essentially a geographic area. It is the geography of heaven. It is the geography of the universe. Jesus is the creator of that entire universe and all of the beings that reside in that universe. There is, however, one part of that universe that has rebelled against him and is a part of an insurrection against Jesus Christ, and that is prison planet Earth. And you live on prison planet. But the gospel of Jesus says you can leave that civilization, you can be a part of the kingdom of God, and it comes first in your heart in your spirit, in your mind, as you say, I don't want to be a part of this kingdom of darkness. I want to be a part of the kingdom of light. And so you have in the story of Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, the bitter fight he has with Apollyon. It's a kinetic battle. It is a very physical war between them. And God gives Christian the strength and the power to defeat Apollyon. And Apollyon is sent packing with wounds. This is literally a geographic area, and the day will come when the geography of America and the earth is once more in accord with the kingdom of light, And all of those who are part of the kingdom of darkness will be destroyed. We don't like to say that, but it's true. Throughout history on this earth, there have been several bitter clashes between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Those clashes have been extremely violent. I take you to one of those clashes. It's found in Genesis, beginning in the 18th chapter. I do want to say this is not the first bitter clash between these two worlds, these two civilizations. We found the first when the entire antediluvian world was destroyed, and perhaps billions of people died. As Noah, along with his family, went into the Ark of Safety, and they were saved. Now we find again in Genesis another great clash between these two civilizations. When they come into direct conflict with one another, many people die. I'm going to say this just as a side note. I listened to a prophetess. Now, I don't think she's a prophetess. I think she's more a Jezebel. But nevertheless, she boldly spoke and said, God has said to his prophets in America that God is about to roar and God is going to establish his kingdom and revival is coming. Well, I tell you what, every time in the scripture where God roars, many people die. And if God is going to come and roar again, a couple billion people will die. So let's not play with this. Let's not... Be proud or arrogant. I've not been able to sleep very well for several nights as I have wept before the Lord over what I see coming to the world and to America. The death. The huge numbers of people and perhaps I will be one of those who will die in the clash between these two worlds as we now have threats on every hand of of nuclear war, annihilation. This is not children's play. This is devastation. This is death and destruction and famine, pestilence. Do I want to hear God roar? No, I don't want to hear God roar. But God does roar. And when he roars, people die. Now that may not fit into your false understanding of these civilizations, believing that God is going to save everyone. No, he's not. Many will die eternally. So when we come to Genesis, the 18th chapter, we find Jesus pre-incarnate having a conversation with his servant Abraham. And he's saying, I wonder if I shouldn't tell Abraham what I'm about to do. And he decides, yes, I'm not going to hide this from Abraham. I'm going to to tell him what I'm about to do. I want you to see what Abraham's response to this is. It was not a joyful, look what God's going to do to to the wicked. Look what God's going to do. He's going to roar from heaven and everybody. No, that's not what Abraham's response was. Abraham's response to the news that The Lord was about to go to war against Sodom and Gomorrah. Caused him to begin to negotiate for the salvation of Sodom and Gomorrah. Instead of rejoicing as these false prophets do over God is going to roar, we better be filled with compassion and tears and humility. Even negotiating with God to save as many as possible. Two angels showed up in Sodom, totally unexpected. Lot was sitting in the gate, the place where the wealthy and the rulers of Sodom would sit, and there was Lot. When he saw them, he rose immediately to his feet. He bowed down with his face to the ground, and he said, In chapter 19, verse 2, Now behold, my lords, please turn aside into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet, and then you may rise early and go on your way. They said, however, No, we shall spend the night in the square. He urged them strongly. So finally they turned aside, they came to his home, and he fed these angels. Now, before they lay down to rest, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house, both young and old, all the people from every quarter. And they called out to Lot and said to him, Where are the two men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may have relations with them. This was a homosexual deal. Lot went out to them, and he tried to negotiate for the deliverance of these two because they'd come to shelter under his roof. They tried to break down the door. They were violent, wicked men. The angels reached out, grabbed a hold of them, and drew them inside, drew Lot inside, struck the men outside with, with dumbness, it's translated blindness but it can also mean with dizziness with with a loss of ability to determine where they were at they couldn't find the door and they said whom else do you have here son-in-law sons daughters Whomever you have in the city, bring them out of the place where we are about to destroy this place because their outcry has become so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Lot went out. He spoke to his sons-in-laws who were going to marry his daughters and said, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But his sons-in-law they thought he was joking. Obviously, Lot had never before spoken to them honestly about the culture of heaven. Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you'll be swept away in the punishment of the city. I want you to be clear what's happening here is punishment, it is a direct response. To the way they were living. I'll talk just in a moment about how they were living. The sin for which Sodom and Gomorrah was punished was not first and foremost sexual perverseness. It was not because of sodomy, it was not even because of homosexuality. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was something much greater. He said to them, the angel said to them, escape for your life. Do not look behind you. Do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. Do you understand? God is coming in the form of angels to Sodom and Gomorrah, and he is saying the civilization of heaven, the culture of the kingdom of God, can no longer allow Sodom and Gomorrah to continue in their wickedness, in their rebellion, in their insurrection. I want you to hear, God will allow you to rebel to a certain level. And then he says, that's enough. And his judgment falls upon you. When the sun rose over Sodom that morning. The Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. You understand brim, brimstone is so hot. I have walked where many believe Sodom and Gomorrah stood in that valley that is now just a barren desert. Everything was burned to an ash. He overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. They had been warned do not look back. Lot's wife held back. She didn't stay up with Lot. She held back. She didn't want to go. Her heart was back in that civilization. She loved the party life. She loved the wealthy life. She loved the arrogance. She loved the lifestyle of Sodom and Gomorrah. She looked back and became as punishment a pillar of salt. The next morning, Abraham goes out. He looks toward the land of the valley and all I can see is the smoke of the land ascending like a, like a furnace into the heavens. And at this, Abraham moves. He leaves the area. Can't possibly continue to live there after what he has witnessed. He's heartbroken. Now I want to share with you what was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'll read for you Ezekiel, the 16th chapter. Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. Verse 49, Ezekiel sixteen forty-nine. She and her daughters were arrogant. Number one sin. Arrogance. I'll do what I want to do. I'm in charge of my life. I'll live the way I choose to live. Thank you very much. Right in the face of God. That's America. America's right in the face of God saying we will do what we want to do and the churches bow down to the culture and to the civilization of America to the kingdom of America and say you tell us to shut our churches we'll shut it we're we know we're not essential no fight no we we don't want to be persecuted Arrogance. Arrogance. I think I've probably struggled with the sin of arrogance more in my life than any other single sin. The desire to be successful, the desire to be somebody, the desire to accomplish something wonderful and beautiful and great the desire to be applauded, the desire to be loved, the desire to be spoken of and spoken to with respect. This is such a great sin before Almighty God to think of myself as something, something big, something important, As I spoke the other day, the Lord in his gracious kindness took me to the end of the line and said, no, you're nobody, Ray. That has to really sink into our hearts. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed first and foremost because of their arrogance against and in the face of the kingdom of God. I've been in churches where I have been introduced in large crowds, and I've been introduced with glowing terms. And then all the people have clapped and clapped for me. And I enjoyed it. And it was sin before God. That applause did not belong to me. That applause belonged to Jesus Christ. We have in our churches across America taken to ourselves the glory that belongs to Jesus alone. Saying Glowing things about the great things we have done and, and who we are and how we function, that glory belongs to Jesus. Don't touch his glory. Overfed and unconcerned. That was the second sin listed here in Ezekiel. Overfed. In other words... Eat whatever you want. Don't be concerned about anything. Hey, this is good time. They didn't help the poor and the needy. And then it comes back again in in verse 50, and it says, they were haughty and did detestable things before me because of their arrogance, because of their lifestyle they felt free to do wickedness before god romans the first chapter god gives people like that over to the sexual sin of their heart i want you to understand today that the clash between these two civilizations is so dramatic and so heartrending and so destructive God will destroy that arrogant, overfed, unconcerned, haughty, detestable. God will destroy that culture. We are, we are on borrowed time. We are rushing toward that final judgment where God will say, enough, it's over. I want to take you to this incredible description of the last day church. It's found in Second Timothy, the third chapter. Mark this, he said to, to Timothy, there will be terrible times in the last days. Now, what creates a terrible time in Paul's mind. Number one, they will love themselves. Remember Robert Shuler from the Crystal Cathedral teaching his heresy of self-esteem? People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. That is the description of the American church today. And he says, have nothing to do with them. How do we have nothing to do with them when it describes our church today? Oh, my brother, my sister. I'm going to take you to one last portion of Scripture. This is Revelation 19, verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a royal robe dipped in blood. His name is Word of God. The armies of heaven are following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen. White and clean. Just above in verse 8, it says, Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. This is the final judgment. This is the great judgment of the entire civilized world. Every nation that stands in opposition to the kingdom of God now is going to be treated like Sodom and Gomorrah. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads on the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has written the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to the birds flying in midair, Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, mighty men of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slaves, small and great." And then I saw the beast, and the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs he deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped the image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest of them were killed with a sword that came out of the mouth of the rider of the horse, and the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. What an ugly, ugly sight to behold, the clash between the righteous and the unrighteous, between Jesus as the head of his culture of his civilization, of his kingdom, a real kingdom, a real place. In the kingdom of darkness. Now Satan is bound for a thousand years. He is not cast into the fire yet. He's put in prison for 1,000 years. and the earth lives without any of the temptations of the devil. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison. This is chapter 20, verse 8, and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for the battle. In number they're like the sand of the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth, surrounded the camp of God, of God's people, the city he loves. I want you to know this is real. This is kinetic war. This is this is atomic bomb war. This is God bringing his final judgment on the kingdom of darkness. You will be a part of the kingdom of darkness if you are not walking righteous before almighty God. i saw a great white throne this is when the throne is set and the final judgment takes place it says fire came down from heaven and devoured them and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever this is the final end of the of the insurrection of the earth against the almighty God of heaven. Where are you going to be in that great judgment? Where will you be on the day of judgment? There is a great judgment coming. It says, a great white throne. And him who was seated on it, earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done. You will be judged for that party. And that illicit sexual relationship, that shacking up, you will be judged for that, for the lying, the cheating, the stealing. You will be judged with with fire for your arrogance, even as Sodom and Gomorrah were judged with fire because of their wickedness, their arrogance before God, Each person was judged according to what he had done. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. See, this is why when Jesus came, this is what he said. You must enter through the narrow gate, the suffering gate, that is, in the culture of which you're a part. You must make a decision that you will go against the insurrection, that your loyalty is first with Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God, the civilization of God. You must make a decision There is a narrow gate, a suffering gate of affliction that you must enter through. You will lose friends. You will lose money. You will lose standing. You will be treated as the scum of the earth. People will reject you. Family will desert you. Wide is the gate, and broad is the way leading into destruction, that is, the civilization of insurrection. Many are the ones entering through it. How narrow is the gate, and groaning is the way that leads to life. And few there are that find it. Listen to what he says to us. This is Matthew 6. Never begin to worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we put on? For the Gentiles, that is, those who are a part of the insurrection against God, They seek after all these things. In other words, they seek after, okay, what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? What are we going to drink? Where are we going to live? What are we going to drive? Those are all questions that pagans ask. Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things, but you must seek first the civilization of God. You must seek first the kingdom of God and know that it is both the authority of God residing over your life, but is also going to be a geographic place, a spiritual place, but a geographic place. Heaven is real. This earth will be recreated. It will be a real place, but you will not be in flesh. You will be in a spirit body that is more real than the body you have now. But to make that transition, you're going to have to seek first. That is, you're going to have to look for, you're going to have to search after. Some of you would rather search after the kingdom of darkness. You'd rather watch the movies. You'd rather watch the wickedness, the werewolves. You'd rather watch the action of violence. You must seek first the kingdom of God and his innocence, righteousness. And in the Greek, its literal meaning is innocence. And all these things... Will be added to you. So never begin to be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for the things of itself. Sufficiency for the day is its own trouble. So stop judging, that you not be judged. Do what I want you to hear today. There is coming a great clash a bitter clash between two opposing civilizations. I've shared with you today the outcome of that clash. The dragon. Some of you have the dragon tattooed on your arms or your legs or your bellies or your backs. This dragon who heads as king over the darkness, will be defeated in the end. And he will be cast into that fiery lake of burning sulfur. He will be punished for his insurrection against Almighty God. Hell was never prepared for you or for me. It was prepared for the insurrectionist, the devil who did so much damage to the kingdom of heaven, to the angels of God, to our elder brothers. But now, many have joined with Satan in this insurrection. Arrogant, proud, independent. I can say what I want to say. I can do what I want to do. I can go where I want to go. I'm in charge of my own life and nobody's going to tell me anything. So you can have your abortions, murdering your babies. You can have your sexual perversions. You can have your lust for money and power and position. You can bicker and fight with whomever you choose to bicker and fight. You can seek revenge and destruction for people you hate. You can riot and destroy. It's all a part of the kingdom of darkness. You can have all the food you want to eat until the famine comes, and then you're going to be hungry. You can do what you want to do. But the final great clash between the culture, the civilization of the devil, of darkness, the final clash between that civilization and the civilization of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, ruled over by Jesus. There is going to be one final great clash, and many will die. And frankly, the devil wants many of you to die in a nuclear holocaust so that you cannot enter into the kingdom of Jesus Christ giving you no time to repent, no time to turn aside from your wickedness. He wants to kill you. He hates you. He wants to destroy you so that you have no chance to be with Jesus for eternity. This causes me such sadness of heart causes me to to grieve before Almighty God and plead His mercy for you. Some of you today need to make a decision. And many of you have made that decision, but you still live as if in a an illusionary world. Thinking that what you see around you is real. It's evil. It's wicked. It's dark. There must be a rising up in our hearts, a great fear and a great compassion for the lost and dying of the civilization civilization of darkness. You must make a decision. No decision is a decision. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, There is a narrow gate through which you must enter, and that narrow gate is Jesus Christ. He is the only way into the kingdom of heaven. He is the only door of escape from this wicked insurrection that the devil has brought upon the earth. Almighty God, I pray for every person listening to this broadcast. I ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a mind to comprehend and understand the glories of your civilization and the glories of your grace and your mercy and your kindness. But I also pray you would cause us to see the horror of sin and of the kingdom of darkness, the murder, the uncleanness, the putrid ugliness. Lord, would you uncover that for every man and woman listening to this broadcast today, that we could see the truth of where we stand with you and that we would run to you. Two minutes. Lord, please come. Accomplish your work in our hearts. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, I would love to hear from you. You're welcome to write to me. I want you to make a decision. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. This broadcast remains on the air because faithful men and women of God sacrifice and cover the cost. I have no means of paying for it. I'm willing to do it at God's command, but I trust that He's moving in your heart to help us stay on the air. We're already past the 15th, and we're far from having the money for this broadcast for this month. So please let me hear from you. You can also go online and you can give there, nationalprayerchapel.com. You'll also find their information on where we meet, how you can be a part. You're welcome to come on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Actually, we start praying usually 15 minutes before that, but just come. Your heart is hungry for Jesus. I'd love to talk with you. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.